this man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever. Oh, no. What is up, Lakers Nation? Welcome to another edition of Basketball Reasons, where we chronicle the past, present, and future of the Los Angeles Lakers front office. I'm your host, Charles Diamond, the Black Bruce Wayne, but you can call me Rick for short. I'm here today on today's edition of Basketball Reasons with Fro Magnum of Fro Sports, Miss Samantha Rodriguez. Sam, say what's up to the people. What's up, people? But, like, you didn't introduce yourself as Big Baller Bruce. Like, of all days, you're not going to use Big Baller Bruce? Wow, that's fair. Uh, Charles Diamond, Black Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Big Baller Bruce, sitting here in a freshly minted, freshly unsealed, unwrapped, (laughs) Big Baller brand black hoodie, the black and gold, looking like royalty out here, courtesy of Miss Magnum. Miss Magnum. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. I do like that. That works. It's a video game. Sure. <laughs> We're going to let that ride. Miss um, Magnum, why don't you go ahead and uh, give the people a little sense of who they're talking to today, who they're learning from today. I like to refer to myself as the voice of the blue and orange. The superior blue and orange, because, you know, we got the Mets. They don't count. We got OKC. They certainly don't count. So, you know, the superior blue and orange blogger, family person, you know, just, just your average Knicks fan. Yeah, I was about to say, if you're not going to say the word Knicks, people are going to be pretty confused. I was getting there. I was getting there. Okay. Well, since we do have a Knicks fan uh, on the podcast here today, what we're going to do is we're going to go over the 2015 NBA draft. Now, a great draft. Okay. Can you let me introduce the issue? Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir, Mr. Baller Bruce, sir. If there was a redraft of the 2015 draft today, there's absolutely no way Chris Porzingis falls to the Knicks at four. He's been obviously the second most impactful player of the draft behind Carl Anthony Towns. And even that's arguable if you're of the, the persuasion uh, that Carl Anthony Towns plays no defense. If you're in the Carl Anthony Cantor camp, uh, although that nickname was minted before he went on his recent stretch of excellent play. So uh, no disrespect, Carl. Uh, quick aside, real quick, of all players in that draft, uh, when they're sorted by VORP, that's value over replacement players, the top four players uh, are Carl Anthony Towns, Miles Turner, Chris Tapps Porzingis, and the four in blue and gold's very own Larry Nance Jr. Nance and make him dance. Now, anyway, I was, <laughs> I was personally pretty heavily enamored with KP coming into the draft. I watched a lot of his workout videos and some of his footage from overseas. Uh, not that this says anything about my scouting ability on the whole, because I was also convinced that Jake Lehman should be the typical NBA forward, and no one knows who that is besides me and Portland Trailblazers fans. But that being said, KP obviously was on a few teams' radars, even going so far as to work out for the Lakers, and we'll go a little bit into that workout uh, a little bit later. So basically what I want to do today is I want to go back and analyze that draft a little bit. I want to see... Uh, where the Lakers went wrong. How could they go so wrong? Um, and on the other hand, uh, how did the Knicks get it right? Did they even get it right? Or did KP fall into their laps? Fall into their laps. I, I'm obviously of the belief of this, the latter. Um, and then we're going to do a little bit of revisionist history. A little what if, if you will. And, and talk about what the Lakers would have looked like with KP. And uh, what the Knicks would have looked like with uh, their very own... D'Angelo Russell. I know I just gave you the outline, but we're gonna uh, we're gonna go ahead and switch up the order a little bit because I think you guys need to hear from uh, Miss Rodriguez here, and uh, 
here, what was the what was the attitude of the 2015 draft from a Knicks perspective? Who did you guys want to draft? What did you think of D'Angelo Russell before the draft? Um, and is there any way you would have taken him uh, with that number four pick? Had he fallen to you? Well, Mr. Bruce, um, I can only speak from personal experience and tell you that I didn't watch KP. I didn't watch KP highlights. I didn't watch KP tape. I was watching D'Angelo Russell, Jaleel Okafor, obviously Carl Anthony Towns, despite knowing that we were never, ever going to get him. But, you know, I was interested. Um, I, I watched Emmanuel Moutier. Unfortunately, that's who a lot of Knicks fans wanted. Uh, at four, mind you, D'Angelo was obviously already drafted, so at four. Thank goodness Knicks fans aren't scouts, huh? <laughs> no no um, disrespect, E. And, and I did, like, a little Twitter poll about that. Um, I, like, tweeted out, Knicks fans, who did you guys want at four? Um, knowing what you did or did not know about KP. A lot of people said Moutier. A lot of people said Justice Winslow. Fine. Um, granted, I think that's because, obviously, of, like, the stereotype that came with, you know, the big European player. Um, I wanted D'Angelo. Um, I remember watching highlights from him at the time. We needed a point guard because our point guard was Jose Calderon, and he just obviously wasn't cutting it for us. Yes. Up there in age. Laker great, Jose Calderon. Yeah, okay. We needed a young, dynamic point guard, and that was D'Angelo Russell. Um, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but unfortunately for us at the time, you guys drafted him, which kind of shook up the, the draft a little bit because um, you guys were supposedly supposed to pick Dalil. Um, but... I think a lot of Knicks fans were just kind of ignorant at the time. Like I said, there was a stereotype. No, I don't think a lot of us, unlike you, were looking into KP's highlights up until like later in the in the um, the process. Uh, kind of like whispers about KP started to come about. And the process, which we all trust, of course. Of course, um, but yeah, whispers of KP started to come about, which actually I think only angered Knicks fans because those whispers came about, and everyone was like, "Who the hell is Kristaps Porzingis?" Like, blah blah blah. So. And if that's the story, I, like, didn't have a reaction. Because, one, the pick was already ruined. Thanks a lot, Woj. Um, <laughs> the pick was ruined. I already knew who he drafted. I wasn't going to make a big deal about it because how am I supposed to make a big deal out of somebody? I don't know. I didn't I didn't watch his highlights. So you were a couple of steps ahead of me and most Knicks fans. Qu- quick aside, I really, like, I really respect what Adrian Wojnarowski does. No. Not, not that night, but, I mean, in general. But, like, I hate... Being on Twitter and seeing who my team picked. Like, do we have to do that? I knew we were going to draft Frank, too, because we were in the office and everybody was calling it out already because they were on Twitter looking at it. I'm like, how, how does anybody enjoy the draft this way? It's supposed to be like, you know, like this nerve-wracking, like, oh, my God, who are we going to pick kind of thing? And, and then you have people blurting it out, like, five minutes ahead of time. Like, like how do you know the eighth pick and the third pick? Is nothing sacred anymore? No. Like, and, and I can't believe people were blurting it. Like, if you want to have the draft ruined, then you have the draft ruined for you. Don't ruin it for me. I have my headphones on. I'll just, I'll just look up and see the name. <laughs> I go dark during the draft. I don't look at my phone. I think I put it on airplane mode. I don't want to hear it. Anyway, uh, yeah, you raised a lot of good points, specifically about the Lakers being uh, slated by a lot of people to pick uh, Jaleel Okafor. I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but I think some of what you said about the Knicks not really knowing KP is part of the same reason why uh, the Lakers didn't draft KP. He, he sort of had the air of mystery about him being from overseas. Not, not a lot of people had seen him play. Uh, that much, uh, I, I think. I think you're the one who told me actually that that there was someone on the Knicks staff who like actually flew out to where, where was he playing? Spain. He's playing in Spain. Flew out to Spain Clarence to watch him play. Gaines. That's his name. Clarence Gaines. Clarence Gaines. Yeah. So, um, 
like you said, I think there's a bit of a, a air of mystery and, and maybe a little bit of bias too. You know, a lot of people don't think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, not not that a lot of people don't think that international players can be successful. Remember, this is 2015. Also, this is not this is not current day NBA. But I think a lot of player, a lot of people had biases about international players that they were soft. Blah blah blah. Um, people said that about Pau Gasol. Even Lakers fans said that about Pau Gasol after he won us, helped win us two rings. Uh, all of a sudden, he turned into a soft player. And I think maybe that has to do with you know he was more of a finesse post player than than a physical presence type of post player. Um, but you're dealing with real prejudices and real biases, so it sort of makes sense. Um, those biases actually are sort of in line with what we know about how the Lakers thought about Kristaps Porzingis. I'm just going to read off a, a couple things that I found about uh, the, the sort of draft process up until the Lakers' decision to end up drafting D'Angelo Russell. Now, uh, according according to several sources, KP was put through an overly physical workout uh, for the Lakers, which if you see his pro game, even now, that doesn't really play to his strengths. I, I've said this to Sam plenty of times, and I still love KP right now. Um, I'm still a huge fan. I hate when they give KP the ball and like the low post is like an ISO against a big dude. And I'm like, he's just going to shoot a turnaround jumper. Like, he's not trying to back a dude down. He's seven foot two, and he's not that strong. Like, stop trying to treat him like Melo. He's Kristaps Porzingis. Run him off a screen. Get him into space. He likes to dribble. Like, do something like that. Stop trying to treat him like he's Dwight Howard. Um, so if you're working out hella physical, that doesn't really make that much sense. Uh, Kevin Ding reported that Mitch Kupchak structured Kristaps Porzingis' uh, private Lakers workout as essentially a challenge of his manhood than a validation of his gifts, which is, first and foremost, just a great phrase by Kevin Ding. I just love that. That's verbatim right there. And I know a lot of Lakers fans uh, have thoughts about Kevin Ding and, and his bias um, but, but to be honest, you know, he's an insider. He knows things uh, about the Lakers organization from the inside. And, you know, that's a direct information, uh, and everything else we've heard about Porzingis' uh, workout matched up pretty well. Um, so the Lakers wanted to test Porzingis' physicality and his bigness, um, which is, I get because he's what, 7'2", something like seven that? 7'3", seven oh, excuse me. Um, he's 7'3", um, but apparently they, they overvalued Porzingis' need to prove he could play in the low post. And, and when he couldn't play in the low post in a physical style for a long period of time, they thought that meant he had low stamina. They thought that meant he wasn't out of shape. And they equated, they wrongly equated, I'd say, his shaky stamina from physical play with his overall NBA readiness. Uh, for example, they put uh, Porzingis... Uh, in the post against Mark Madsen. That's Mark Mad Dog Madsen, who's notorious for physical, dirty play. Uh, and, and to put it in preschool level terms, the workout looked a lot like, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it looked a lot like Big Bird being pushed all around the court by his dinosaurish friend, Snuffleupagus. All right. <clears throat> if you can get that imagery. Okay. Uh, then Lakers coach, uh, Byron Scott, who, who, Everyone knows now, at least every Lakers fan knows, his mindset about basketball and training people is completely outdated. Uh, his offense is completely outdated, so on and so forth. Apparently, Byron Scott joked with Lakers front office people after watching Porzingis uh, quote-unquote wilt with exhaustion that Byron Scott had better get a contract extension if the club decided to draft Porzingis and wait for him to grow up. Now, what makes it even worse is that uh, Lakers legend Phil Jackson, who was, what was he, president of basketball operations? Pre uh, president of basketball operations for the Knicks at that time, even went so far as to say, and this is a direct quote, we knew that he had a lot of talent, talking about the Knicks. We saw that even in the workout with him just shooting. 
and I had some fun with one of the bus guys, and I told him after the workout, you guys are going to be sorry if you don't pick up Porzingis with the second pick. They didn't. We did. Now, we all know that there's some bad blood in between the bus family, not named Jeannie or Jerry, uh, and, and Phil Jackson, and you'd hate to think that that needling by Phil Jackson would lead to some resentment or something of the like, which would, which would negatively influence uh, the front office's idea of Porzingis. Um, but it seems obvious that other organizations saw KP's potential, and it's kind of despicable that the Lakers did not. No disrespect to D'Angelo Russell, of course, but it, it, it's it's obvious now with D'Angelo not even being on the team. I doubt I doubt that Kristaps Porzingis would have been traded by Magic Johnson. To be completely honest with you, I don't even know if if history unfolds that same way with Magic Johnson ending up president of basketball operations because Kristaps Porzingis was the type of player. Granted, rookies don't necessarily lead teams to winning seasons, but KP had had a lot of talent and a lot of skill, and he could have worked well with uh, Kobe Bryant and and other players on that roster, uh, and he at least would have taken it seriously in a way that D'Angelo would not, based off what we hear from uh, the current Knicks coaches. So how did the Lakers get this so wrong? I know I have some thoughts on how we got this so wrong, but you know, from an outsider perspective, I was wondering, is there so, a little, someone who has an objective point of view, do you have any, any ideas, any thoughts about how the Lakers could, could mess up so badly? I mean... To be completely fair to the Lakers, I'm trying to be objective here. Um, there was, there were stories of KP growing up with anemia, um, being very tired um, all the time. Like you, there's literally. So I don't know if it's in the Players Tribune or um, I want to say it was reported by Ian Bagley of ESPN, um, where KP literally tells him that when he was growing up and when he was playing in Spain, he had anemia and he was always exhausted and he had to like fight through that. I wish I could reference the story better, more accurately, but there's that. There's one. If you watch KP now, even now, or, or like let's to, let's let's quote KP directly. I'm so tired. Like I, I understand, but I guess at the same time, um, to evaluate him solely based on, um, I guess his physicality is is. is probably not the best route to go but like it, it's it's hard for me to talk about kp in this way right now because what the way he's been playing as of late kind of falls in line with what you're saying like he's he's not that great um physically uh he's not carmelo anthony and, and it's crazy i literally just read an article this morning uh written by chris herring um about how Kristaps has literally morphed into Carmelo Anthony, except for that that physical aspect. Because because Melo's a bully. Melo like once Melo gets the ball, like that's it. Like he's just gonna bully you up. The white KP can't do that just yet. When you talk about morphed into Carmelo Anthony, are you talking about his... well his shot selection? Okay, his shot okay, selection, okay, that's very fair. That's very fair. Um, but like maybe if KP was playing in a different system or playing in a different way, maybe if they utilized him more as like a pick and pop or like a catch and shoot guy, it would be completely different. And in those situations, he's shooting 57% when he holds the ball for two seconds or less. And he's shooting like 40% when he holds the ball for two seconds or more. That sounds eerily Carmelo-esque. That's, that's literally Carmelo Anthony. And it's only funny to me because I like vividly remember telling you this. I was like, there's a stat out there that when Melo holds the ball for a certain amount of seconds, he's shooting crazy efficient. He has literally, literally morphed into Carmelo, and 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 people were, um, you know, saying that 
oh, well, maybe, you know, KP spent his first couple of years with Carmelo. Of course, he's going to pick up habits. But it's not just about KP's habits. It's about how they're playing him, mm. right? So if you're, if you're putting him through this rigorous workout and that's the way, like you already have it in your mind, that's the way you want to play him, sure. But if you, had util- if you had looked at his other talents, like his shooting ability and other, his other talents, then maybe the Lakers would have gotten it right. I don't know. I can't really speak on the Lakers' behalf. But that, that's just me trying to, A, defend the Lakers and also call them stupid in the same sentence. Those are two very different things. <laughs> I, I appreciate the balance you were trying to achieve with that. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Um, I also think on a completely separate note, I think the Lakers were trying to sort of predict the future of the league. Um, Good guard. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The, the league was coming more perimeter-centric, um, especially with, like, Teams like the Splash Brothers, you know, Clay and Steph. Teams like Portland with CJ and Dame. I think they were trying to to figure out a way to to morph from because if you remember, the last good team that we had was with Powell and Bynum, and you know after the Steve Nash trade didn't work out, whatever. Um, we we tried to figure it out with Dwight Howard, um, and we 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 sort of have a history of molding teams around great big men, and I feel like that was a clear shift. Saying, okay, yes, this is our history, but now we're going to switch with the narrative of the league and become more guard-oriented. Um, it's kind of silly to me, though, because the league obviously is more perimeter-oriented with the three-point shot nowadays, but it doesn't necessarily have to be guard-oriented. And I think that KP showed himself to be more than, a, more than an average shooter, quite a prolific three-point shooter for a big man. Um, so I think that was a bit of a miscue there. Not even his three-point shooting. He's just incredibly versatile. Like, just seeing him dribble, like, was like, at 7'3", I was like, whoa, people that are 7'3 should not be able to do the things that he does. That's why I don't understand when he gets posted up. Like, I, I see him get posted up, and I'm like, that's cool. Like, yeah, he's 7'3", but, like, the times where I see him score easily is when he can face up from, like, the wing and dribble and, like, shake a five. Well, that's what's, what's crazy to me is, like, if you look at his stats uh, last year when we had Carmelo, like, he's obviously improved in terms of, like, points per game and whatnot. But at the same time, you weren't seeing that last year because that was Melo's job. Last year, I feel like you were seeing him more like just catching and shooting the ball, which I felt he was like way more effective at. But or clearly he is more effective at that. But you know, I guess somebody had to fill Carmelo Anthony's shoes, or they really don't. But I guess that's just the way Hornacek wants to run the offense. But that's a, that's another topic for another day. Actually, we have we have a little bit of time, so I just want to talk about that. I've made this comparison to you. I think that Luke Walton and Jeff Hornacek are like inverse coaches. Like like Luke Walton is really good at like getting players to play a certain style of basketball and like and like getting players to like him, but like he kind of is not as consistent with things like rotations and like knowing when the best time to call a timeout is and like Jeff Hornacek's like the opposite of that. Like he's really good at like the technicalities of being a head coach. But I like don't know what the hell is going on with the Knicks on the court sometimes. Uh, is, that, is that a fair? Compa- I don't. That's that's a little that's a little shifty comparison. But I I think it's I think it's a it's a good comparison. I mean I don't watch the Lakers enough to know how well Luke motivates them. Um, but also to be fair to Jeff, I mean for the most part it seems like the Knicks are, are playing for him just fine. I just it, it's. Jeff is a big question mark right now because you're talking about like, he's good at like the technicalities of being a coach, but then like his late game execution is horrible, and then like some of his rotations are very questionable. So I don't know. I think Jeff might have more problems than, than you're admitting. 
Yeah, I mean, I watch more Lakers games than Nick games. Exactly. So, so you might be right there. Um, but okay, that was a, a nice little discussion about sort of the draft and and uh, international bias, so on and so forth. Um, but now, I wanna uh, I wanna go ahead and get into this this revisionist history a little bit. These what ifs, uh, if you will. So we're gonna we're gonna go back into 2015. Uh, we're gonna go after the draft, and we're gonna just think about. Uh, we're gonna put on our, 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 our hypothetical caps. I think that's the second time I've said this on the podcast. Um, and we're gonna think about what the Knicks would be with D'Lo, and what and what the Lakers would be with Chris Stapps Porzingis. Since you obviously have something to say about what the Knicks would be, why don't you go ahead? Because I'm curious. Because from from the time it's it from the time Chris Stapps was a Nick to the time Mello was not a Nick. It seemed as if their skill sets were a bit redundant, and I don't know if that's because they do the same thing, or if Chris Stapps just looked up to Mello as Stops like Mello. Chris Stapps and Mello's skill, skill sets are okay. redundant. Yeah, did I say something else? No, no, no I just wanted to. Play okay, that. yeah, because um, I wasn't sure if that's because their skill sets were actually redundant, or if that's because Chris Stapps just looked up to Mello and you know he saw the way he was being used as a, a quote unquote big man in the system and. You know, he just he thought, okay, that's my role now that Mello's gone. What do you think? What is your question? Oh, well, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I, yeah, that was that was a two parter there. I wanted to talk about what what Mello and D'Lo would look like, but okay. before we get there, what do you think about the way Chris Stapps developed uh, for the Knicks? Again, really hard to say right now because you, when you, when you talk about Carmelo and Chris Stapps, I can't get it out of my head how much Kristaps has literally like morphed into Carmelo like I watch now and I'm just like I thought we got rid of Carmelo because we wanted to you know get a young faster uh you know a team that ran and didn't constantly run iso plays but unfortunately um, that's what they've been running for Kristaps so it's, it's hard to say like how he's developed he's an incredible player with um a very big arsenal of moves so I don't understand why those that arsenal isn't on display more. Um, he can do everything. He can literally just about do everything. Okay, like he's not the greatest passer or anything, but like he can do everything. And like his skill set is very similar to Carmelo. Um, I want him to be better than Carmelo, and I think he has the tools to do it. Um, but I don't. I, I think this also falls on the coaching and, and and what coach is going to push him to be better and and put those moves on display. Um, Going back to your other question. Yeah, I got you off track there. Um, with D-Lo. Yeah. <laughs> this is, and maybe it's just because Kristaps is on my team and because, like, after his first couple of games, I think New York fell in love with Kristaps. Um, and I don't mean the first few games of the season. I, I literally mean his first few games of the day. Um, I feel like Kristaps is supposed to be here. He's, he's supposed to be in New York. So yeah. to even think about D-Lo right now is, is like, it doesn't make sense. You're not playing the game. You're not playing the game. The what ifs? Yeah, you okay. gotta play the All what right. if game. Chris right. is on the Lakers. Yeah. D'Lo, Carmelo. D'Lo is, is in New York. New York, MSG. 26 wins. No, I'm just playing. So I believe the last time that we had this conversation, we focused on their personalities, right? Yes, precisely. We have Carmelo Anthony, who is the very silent, <laughs> the very silent and mellow if you will leader Boo. <laughs> um then you have d'lo who was 
damn, this is a hard game to play. I was going to say D'Lo is so Hollywood, and he is. He is. But you, you have D'Lo who's young, very immature, and that's not on him. He's, nice. He's 19 years old. So, But at the time, very immature, as we came to find out. I got that bird on me. got that bird on me. As we came to find out with Swaggy and, and that whole situation. Um, Personality-wise, I do feel like Carmelo Anthony would have taken him under his wing. I don't know how that would have went, but he definitely would have taken him under his wing. Skill set wise, I, I think it would I think it would have been good. I think, like I said, anything was an upgrade from Jose Calderon. Like point guard position would have been upgraded by a lot. I also said that with Derrick Rose though, so you know, I, I don't I don't know anymore. I think there's just something fundamentally wrong with the Knicks that no matter who we get to fill in those positions, it just doesn't work. Probably shouldn't start with broken Derrick Rose and Jose Calderon. Probably shouldn't. And and, and granted, my personal opinion. Granted, Derrick Rose doesn't pass. You know, he's a point guard that doesn't pass. That's why they call it point guard, not pass guard. I I suppose so. But I think D'Lo, I want to be fair to him. And I want to say, like, he would have been good on the Knicks. But there's so many what ifs that go with this. Because remember, I told you, if we get D'Lo that year, do we trade Tim Hardaway? Oh, true, true. Forgot about because that. Because we traded Tim Hardaway Jr. for Jerry and Grant and, uh, I don't know, two picks or, or something like that. Um, so do, now are you looking at a lineup with D'Angelo Russell, Tim Hardaway Jr., Carmelo Anthony at the three, and then whoever the hell else was playing four or five, I want to say Lance Thomas and um, – Center. Yeah, don't worry about it. Center is escaping me. We'll find that. We'll find that in due time. I hear what you're saying though. I want to go back to uh I want to go back to your point about um the 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 personalities of D'Lo and, and Melo because I feel like D'Lo D'Lo gets uh gets characterized as immature uh because of the whole Swaggy P situation, which is silly to me for another complete a different reason, but that's neither here nor there. We could go for another 20 minutes about that. Um but I don't think he's necessarily as immature. Like he's immature as a teenager, obviously. He's immature as a 19-year-old kid. But I think he's more fun-loving than immature. And I think that came out a little too much because he felt st- his personality was stifled because he's playing with Kobe and Byron Scott. And I think maybe that was like the rubber band effect, like the pendulum effect, where like you're stretching the rubber band out. So when it comes back, it comes back even tighter. Like, I think playing with someone like Melo, who is more fun-loving, who is more carefree, who is more easygoing, maybe he wouldn't have acted out, quote-unquote, as much. Or maybe even Melo would have told him, like, hey, like, you can always have fun, but, like, let's keep it professional. I think he would have learned how to be an easygoing, fun-loving, professional basketball player rather than, like, being a kid in Byron Scott's foxhole, basically. Um, And I think that would have done him a a little bit better uh, of a situation, honestly. Maybe you're right. We'll never know now. That's fair. It, it's it's like interesting because we're talking about two of like the most loved cities in like America, right? Like these high profile cities. We're talking about LA and we're talking about New York. So maybe the environment of just being in LA contributed to whatever the hell D'Angelo Russell's personality became that's fair i don't think it would have been any better in new york because it's new york city you know what i'm saying there's distractions just like anywhere else um so maybe if d'angelo went to somewhere like you know denver or like 
Milwaukee. I don't uh, know. I don't think D'Angelo could have went to Denver. He'd be smoking weed like crazy. <laughs> Got that bird on me. Yeah, he, yeah, he would have had that bird on him. All right. <laughs> but maybe if he went to a more low-key city first, maybe he would have, you know, developed different personality-wise. I, I don't know. I don't want to make too much of his personality being like an issue on the court. That's fair. Um, because if we're talking about personalities and distractions, I mean, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, is J.R. Smith, right? Yeah. Um, and and J.R. was still a, a, a crazy, like, good shooter with the Knicks. Thrived. Exactly. Drinking so, Henny at halftime, I still mean, thrived. Granted, Sunday games at like three weren't so great for him because he was out partying the night before. And I'm pretty sure there's a stat out there too about Nick's Sunday games and JR statistics, also written by Chris Herring, if I'm not mistaken. Chris Herring got the info. Chris Herring and stats <laughs> telling weird stories like that through stats is like his specialty. I, I'll, I will eventually find that for you. So, like I said, I don't want to make too much of his personality. Skill set wise, it, it's hard to say now because he was 19 then. I haven't really got to see him play in Brooklyn. And, and then with you guys, um, he eventually started at shooting guard, right? He started at the two. D'Lo? Yeah, didn't he? No, no, he started at the one. I could have sworn he started at the two with Jordan at the one. No, 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 because that, that was part of the reason why Jordan's been jerked around so much is because his role's never been defined. That's fair. Because he was a bench point guard, mm-hmm. and then he became a shooting guard, and then he switched back to bench point guard, so it doesn't really make that much sense. Um, but go ahead, continue, continue. That was it. Okay, just make sure. That was sure. it. I, 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 you went to the personalities. I was still kind of stuck on a lineup of, of, of D'Lo, Tim Hardaway, and Melo, and Lance Thomas, and apparently, um, like, Quincy Acey, or... Oh, yeah! You know, um, Jason Smith, Great White Hope. Okay, uh, real quick, um... In an April loss on a Sunday, a, a, a Knicks loss to the Heat, to the Miami Heat, J.R. Smith shot 22 three-point attempts. I'm sorry, in one game? In one game. Wow, I missed that, man. It's the record. He was 10 for 22 from the three-point line. Yeah, that's got J.R. in all over <laughs> That is inc- That was the first thing I found on J.R. Smith's Sunday game. So, For the record, this is, just a, this is, a, this is a crazy what if. Mind you, this all happened. Post Tyson J.R. Trump. This is the season after they all got traded. The the playoff team got stripped. Okay. Tyson got traded back to Dallas with Felton. Uh, J.R. and Shump got traded to Cleveland. This is too Knicks heavy for me, but continue. Okay. Put it this way. Our 2012-2013 season, one of the best seasons we've had in a really long time. Okay. Um, got eliminated in the second round against the Pacers. Shouldn't have happened. Anyway, this all happened after this season. Phil Jackson stripped the team. Oh, stripped yeah. The team. Of course, yeah. Let's just say, hypothetically, the Knicks keep Tyson, Jr. and Chump. They keep that specific core intact. Still probably wouldn't have been that good. But maybe we would have. I don't know. Hard to say. Let's just say we were bad. End up still getting the fourth pick. Now we got Tyson, Porzingis, Mello, Jr. Shumpert. Could you imagine Knicks fans? I'm doing great. Knicks fans don't listen to this podcast. After I promote it, they will. Anyway, okay, I, I've I've let you wax poetic way too you long, have. and I appreciate it. About, I appreciate it about uh, the Knicks. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the Lakers oh. drafting Kristaps Porzingis. All right, because that's that's what we're really here to discuss. Right, absolutely. Okay, so my whole thing is this. Kristaps has 
already he had been on record as saying the Lakers were his favorite team at the time when he was drafted, and he loved Kobe Bryant. Now, Kristaps is just I, I think I think this has been shown. Kristaps is one of those guys who's he's a gym rat, right? Uh, can, you can attest to that, right? You've heard stories of this. He's a guy who loves to be in the gym, loves working on his game. That's part of the reason why, not part of the reason why he skipped his exit interview, but like he went back overseas to play basketball. He play, he's been playing in basketball every summer since he's in competitive high-level basketball every summer since he's been drafted, right? So I can't help but wonder what Chris Stapps Porzingis' career, what direction his career would have been taking if he would have been paired up with the Mamba mentality of Kobe Bryant. Like that's, I know that's a mythology and, a, and an urban legend that we we harp on too much, but I think it's I think it's real too. Like those stories about Kobe, you know, you getting to the gym at five a.m. and Kobe's already been working out for an hour and a half, dripping in sweat. Like that's real. And if Kristaps would have been exposed to that by his favorite player on his favorite team, I, I really do believe he would have. Like I believe the Lakers' fortunes definitely would have changed, which is a little sad because you think about not getting Brandon Ingram and, and Lonzo Ball, but at the same time, like. I think Chris Stapps would have been truly, really special uh, uh, working working with Kobe. Can I cut you off for a second? Yeah, by all means. I think it's really interesting because I think you're absolutely right, 100%. Um, I think it's interesting that we're talking about two completely different franchises and the mentality going into those. Had he been drafted by the Lakers, you're being drafted by a team that, like, you guys haven't been, you guys haven't won a championship in how many years? We last won in 2010. 2010. That's only eight years. You guys are spoiled. You're a championship franchise, right? That's like, you have Kobe, you have Shaq, you have, like, just, you're like this storied franchise, like, and you're winners. Wilt, Gail, Jerry. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kareem. Meanwhile. Magic. You have the Knicks. George Mikan. <laughs> you have the Knicks. You get drafted by this franchise that has been failing for years. In the mellow era, they, they, they got Carmelo Anthony, um... Amari Stoudemire and couldn't do anything with it. So you're drafted by this this franchise that is failing and desperately is looking for their savior and is dysfunctional, right? They're absolutely dysfunctional. Um, and you have this, this star that is constantly called overrated. You obviously would never hear that about uh, Kobe Bryant. So it's like, it's interesting what mentalities he would have had go, going into both. Obviously coming to the Knicks, his, his mentality is, no, I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that gets this, this team um, their first ring in how many years versus going into the Lakers being drafted by, Oh my God, Kobe Bryant's here. And like, it's just, it's an interesting little, I mean, I think the, the, the weight on his shoulders would have been even more in, in, in LA to be honest with you. you think? Yeah. Because not only are you drafted by the premier franchise of the national basketball association, but like you're their highest pick since, uh, like since Kobe Bryant, like even even no higher than Kobe Bryant, you're the highest pick since like James Worthy, and like it's your job to bridge the gap between the past and the future right. of the Lakers. You're and, absolutely right. And you think about the roster at that time. We already had Julius Randle on the roster. Um, I, I'm I'm curious as to how that would have worked if we would have just gone completely young and played Julius at four and Chris Epps at five, and then we would have had Kobe. We st- still would have had Nick Young on the team. Jordan Clarkson, if you remember, was playing point guard back in that point in time. I mean, a, a lineup of Jordan Clarkson, who has a defined role and not getting jerked around by the front office and the coaching staff, no disrespect. Jordan Clarkson, Nick Young 2.0, like Kobe, Julius Randle, and Kristaps Porzingis. At the five? Yeah, Kristaps yeah. at the five. That'd be crazy. That's what I want now. Just give me Julius. Stop it. 
You're not getting Julius Randle. I'm just saying, but like I, I like hear what you're saying. You're talking about like KP at the five, Julius at the four. Like speaking specifically about the coaching, because I'm thinking about how he would have responded to a Byron Scott coached team. Um, I, I, I can't like like I said because of the carousel, he's never really had a consistent methodology of coaching, so I can't really tell if you know the sort of hard nose, hard line, hard ass coaching of Byron Scott would have inspired him. Or done what did what it did to D'Angelo Russell and sort of turn him off, but I can't really see uh, Chris Steps being dissuaded by Byron Scott. I think Byron Scott honestly would have appreciated um, that Chris Steps because Chris Steps seems like a guy you know you push him he's going to push you back in terms of coaching. So I think he would have appreciated his hard work rather than D'Angelo's sort of lackadaisical approach. I, I, I wonder the same thing only because there was um, there were reports of Chris Steps and Jeff Hornacek. Um, I don't want to say having beef, but um, kind of falling out over the summer. Like, they weren't getting along. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with um, – I believe it has something to do with the way that he spoke to Billy, to Billy Hernan Gomez. He, Who's he? Uh, Jeff Hornacek. A uh, comment that he made to Billy, and obviously that's that's KP's best friend. But they, they apparently didn't get along very well. They seem to be fine now. So – I, I I I guess I wonder the same thing. I, I don't know how Kristaps is with the coaches, but so far it's been a rocky road in terms of his relationships with the higher ups of the, the franchise. So well, the higher ups of the Knicks franchise have also been a rocky road. So that's a, that's a good good point there. All right, uh, that was a pretty good discussion. You have anything else to add before I get to the countdown? I would like to add that. The New York Knicks will win a ring before the Los Angeles Lakers. That's just so not true. That's it, not even a question. It is true because just give it some time. In a couple of years, when Giannis is a free agent, he's willingly going to come to the Knicks to play alongside Chris Sobs, and we're going to be unstoppable. You just have to face facts. You know what you sound like? I sound like I'm delusional, but that's okay. So are you. You sound like a Lakers fan. That's what I was going to say. You sound like a Lakers fan. Yes, Lonzo and his seven rings. I said on Twitter yesterday that Lonzo... Was, was that this morning? No, it was this morning. I said this morning that Lonzo would win seven rings. I'm on wax at saying that. You are. Lonzo Ball. There's no going back now. More rings than Jordan. But you said seven? One with LeBron. Two with KP. Like, three by himself. Three by himself. This is the part that gets me. First of all, if he wins a ring, a ring with LeBron, I don't count it. I'm sorry. There's an asterisk next to it. That's silly. And he's not winning three by himself. Not by himself, but with Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma. And then one on the tail end of his career. Anyway, uh, that's it for that. <laughs> now we're going to get to the countdown, uh, which starts in five, four, three. I thought you were going to help me out there. Oh, I'm sorry. Two, one. Um, we talked about uh, Chris Epps to the to the Lakers uh, and D'Angelo Russell to the Knicks. Um, and I like that discussion a lot, but I just want to talk about D'Angelo Russell uh, a little bit more before we go. Now, D'Angelo Russell has had sort of his reputation diminished over the years because of, of an incident where he, you know, secretly recorded a conversation of, about Nick Young uh, and that conversation being leaked online and sort of ruining Nick Young's marriage, so on and so forth, uh, even though Nick Young ruined his own marriage. It wasn't D'Angelo Russell. Um, and I think sometimes D'Angelo Russell gets a bit of a bad rap um, because, yes, he, he did that. He did secretly record the conversation. But that's sort of the issue with these one-and-done players. 
You can't draft 19-year-old kids and expect them to act like 45-year-old men. And that's fine if you want to uh, if you want to reprimand him publicly on your Twitter, on your blog for for quote unquote what he did. But I see a lot of people making attacks or, or forgetting about D'Lo as if you know he's this this grown man that did something completely irreparable. No, he was a 19-year-old kid who was joking around. And if you're going to draft 19-year-olds to your organization, then you're going to have to wait not only for their games to mature and for their bodies to mature, but for their minds to mature as well. Um, and that's sort of the territory you get into uh, when you draft teenagers. Um, and I think not only do fans need to be aware of that, but I think front office and coaching staffs need to be aware of that as well. Um, if you're going to dip into the cradle to draft children and wait for them to mold, into grown NBA superstars, then you actually have to wait for them to mold. Um, and I wish D'Angelo the best in Brooklyn uh, because I wish so, so drastically that he was next to D'Lo right now. Um, but I hope he matures um, and I hope he has a successful career uh, and I'll be rooting for him all the way. That's the buzzer. I'm out. This is another edition of Basketball Reasons. I'm Charles Diamond, a.k.a. Big Baller Bruce, signing out for Fro Magnum. Oh, is that supposed to sign out now? You can sign out. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you another time about the Knicks, the better franchise that we're talking about here. Sam Rodriguez, a.k.a. Fro Magnum, Fro Sports. You got to back up off the microphone. No, I was trying to make my point. Yeah, you're peeking, though. You're peeking. Anyway, this has been Basketball Reasons.